This time on episode 426 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We discuss the 1992 X-Men animated series, season 3, episodes 10 through 13, The Dark Phoenix Saga, and news including the She-Hawk trailer, Disney Plus and commercials, and Resurrection of Daredevil. I'm Josh Liston from On the Bubble Podcast, an oral history of television fandom. Part of the Gunner Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnerGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Agent Chris. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Marvel Comic Book universes as told on screen by the company called Marvel Studios. The show is recorded on Thursday, May 19th, 2022, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast space-wide this time, I guess. Come and join our live chat as we record because we love talking about Marvel. Because of not being able to do it. If you like to talk to us about not being able to do it, you can visit our website, LegendsofShield.com. If you want to leave us a voicemail about the last time you weren't able to do it, give us a call at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. You can share your thoughts with us on Twitter, at Legends of Shield. If you want to see some videos of us sometimes not being able to do it, head on over to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash gunnageek. You can join our discussion on our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash discord. And don't forget that Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the GunnaGeek.com network, where we're always able to do it. Mm-hmm, what he said. I'm excited about this week. You guys excited about this week? Yes. This is the one we've been waiting for. I could tell. When I was watching the episodes earlier this week, I was like, you know, I bet you that this is the, re- this is the whole reason that I wanted to see this entire series. Yes. All right, confirmation right there. All right, we're talking about X-Men, the animated series from the 1990s. Let's get to it. And we can't get to it before we get to this. Previously on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. I have refused to watch X-Men. It was interesting having the episodes without Scott, without Cyclops, without Professor X, all dealing sensibly with the loss of Jean. She doesn't want some sort of like dark coming in, coming, you know, darkness coming out. Completely bring the earth out of balance. Because it's it's pretty awesome what they can do with the animation. They just came from a lecture from Beast and, you know, Jubilee. Eventually they sort of like glaze over and you get into like that weird headspace. It's like when my mom talks about football. Also, there being civilians at the moment. I think the fact that there was, in some imaginary world, horseback riding in Central Park is really cool. I have a question about the horses, though. Yeah. 
Does Rogue's power not work on horses? Because she definitely slapped that horse's butt. And just like a circuit, it's just overloaded. Are you just going to glaze over the fact that for the second episode in a row, we get to talk about a kaiju fight? Scott, Gene, Gene, Scott. Gene, Scott, Gene, Scott. Storm, Storm Rogue, 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 Storm, 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 Storm Rogue. Rogue. That previously on was once again brought to you by the great producer, Chris. Chris, how do you do it every week? I ask my wife what the stupidest things are that I told her about after we finished recording. And then she reminds me a few days later and I've remembered to do it. Sweet. So somebody listens to our podcast by proxy. That's awesome. Well, that's how she listens to mine too. So, okay. We are in good company. That's great. So that's what we talked about last time. This time, we're going to talk about the animated series of X-Men, Season 3, Episodes 10 through 13, as shown on Disney+. Plus. But these were aired out of order. I mentioned that last time, didn't I, guys, that these were kind of the ones in the middle of the whole series that were aired out of order? And if you go back and you look at any other airing, these episodes are not aired yeah, season three, episodes 10 through 13. They're farther on in the season three or something like that. You guys remember that discussion? Yeah, I heard I read season four is even worse. It's like after season three, it just gets bad about the order. And it's just like, I don't know. It's like Disney Plus was just like, OK, whatever. We'll just put them up there. All right. Well, these did air in starting in November of 1994 on Saturday, November 12th. November 12th for the Dark Phoenix part one and part two dazzled in inner circle. And then part three and part four were the next two weeks, November 19th. And I assume it's Thanksgiving weekend here in the United States with part four being the fate of the Phoenix on Saturday, November 26th, 1994. And I did go back and confirm that those dates were Saturdays. Went back to the calendar of 1994 and said, what day of the week was November 12th, 1994? It was a Saturday. Okay. These aired on Saturday in November of 1994. Michelle, what are the IMDb descriptions? I mean, what are we even talking about here? The Dark Phoenix, part one, dazzled. Jean is beginning to lose control and the Phoenix begins to brazenly take over at will. The Dark Phoenix, part two, inner circle. When Mastermind tries to force Phoenix to kill Cyclops, she finally breaks free of the psychic controls on her, leaving the X-Men to fight for themselves. The Dark Phoenix Part 3, Dark Phoenix. Jean Grey, now completely part of the Phoenix, returns to her childhood home, overwhelmed by too much emotion and too much power. The Dark Phoenix Part 4, The Fate of Phoenix. Xavier reads Leandra's mind and challenges her guard to the doral of honor that Leandra cannot refuse for Jean Grey's life. So basically, this is all about the Dark Phoenix saga. That's what it's called. Okay. Chris, first impressions. Professor X is such a dick. I think he might be a bigger dick than Scott. Is this perfect? No. But it's still a better story in 80 minutes than those two live action movies. After I got over trying to figure out what was going on, and believe me, I had to take a moment or two to do that at the beginning. We'll get into that later. It seemed to flow okay. There was a lot of great fights, and some of the fights seemed to be like friendly fights. Like, hey, we're going to go play a game of fight now let's go fight let's do our mutant superhero fights and let's see who wins and we don't want to damage anybody but oh now somebody really got hurt 
and we need to help them. And oh, wow, we help them. Oh, good. So that's kind of my initial thoughts of the whole thing. Took me a little while to get there. I do want to start there, though. At the very be- so the, the last time we left Jean, she was literally flying into the sun, and Scott was lamenting her, and that was it. That's the last we saw Jean. Then all of a sudden, we see Jean in some kind of a treatment center. It's like, how did you get here? I mean, they eventually did the explanation, but really, you have to start. They couldn't have done a previously on about it or something. It was so confusing. Well, she's called Phoenix, and Phoenix is Rise for the Ashes. So I just kind of went into this assuming that she was going to come back, because why would you name somebody Phoenix if they're not going to keep coming back and coming back and coming back? I thought it was a little jarring, but I liked that they got in right into the action. There's something wrong with Gene. They're on Mirror Island. Xavier's trying to do his mind thing, and he is so terrible. We'll get to that later, too. But I thought it was interesting just getting right into the action and then doing the exposition, doing the flashback with having it done with Emma Frost shows how powerful she is. She was able to detect when Xavier was distracted and being able to find out all this information because we don't really get a lot of information beforehand about the Hellfire. Oh, wait, the Circle club yeah because we can't say hellfire on saturday morning tv i'm guessing i guess i suppose so so it's now the inner circle and such what the inner circle of the circle club there's a lot of circles going on it's a big venn diagram you could have to draw it out for me sometime (laughs) yeah this the circle club i am not entirely familiar with these characters by the way that hellfire club characters basically and I know if Haley here, she'd be like wanting to whap me on the side of the head. It's like, SP, I told you about all these years ago. Yeah, maybe. But I had to go back and research them. You had, what was it? Mind, Storm, Mind, Mind, Mastermind, right? You had Mastermind, you had Sebastian Shaw. And what was the other guy's name? I don't remember. The Cyborg game? Uh, There was some Cyborg guy, right? Right. So those were the three. And then you had Frost. I knew Frost. You know Frost from the movie. That was like, okay, I got that. But all of a sudden we're thrust into this because we really haven't dealt with the Circle Club before, right? And now we have to figure out what's all going on. And Sebastian Shaw's got a unique power. He has the absorption power, right? Energy absorption. Kind of like Bishop in a way. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then he can just shove it right back at you. So the harder you hit him, the harder you're going to get hit. And Jason Weingard, Weigard, Weigard, has the, he's a mastermind, right? He is the mind manipulation power cyborg. Well, you know, he's got a cyborg arm. And then Frost, her powers, I think, were a little bit different than I saw in the movies where she's able to basically fight Xavier on his own game. That is her actual power. That's who Emma Frost is. The whole diamond thing really isn't what she's known for. Okay. She's known for being that sort of level of psychic and such. Okay. Well, that was impressive to be able to go against Xavier like that. So, okay, we got all that going on. And then Mastermind is brought in to basically Little Mermaid, Jean, 
Did you guys catch that? The little mermaid motif that they had going on? Yeah. My wife caught more that it was like 1700s clothes and she's sitting there. Why are they dressed in 1700s things? Um, I don't know, because they want to be fancy and it's cool. Why not? I know. This is, I really do wish we had a couple of episodes of the inner circle being some sort of threat so that way you could understand their whole colonial hot topic motif that they've got going on it's just like cosplay colonial mishmash that they got going on it's their whole aesthetic that is one of the drawbacks we don't know them as a powerful foe they're just some guys who are after dazzler for some reason and we learn that they want powerful mutants for some reason but having a couple of episodes just as them as foes before gene comes back would have helped a bit see that's what i'm saying i was just dropped into it saying okay well this is what it is so i'm just gonna go with it because that's what you guys said this is how comics are and this is how we have to go with it i think in today's age there would have been a little bit more development going on but in the 90s saturday morning cartoons i could see them just you know jumping around stories it's like the transformers of the 80s it's the same sort of flashbang moving around from scene to scene just to have all the Marin characters fight, which is what they did. They fought. And that was good. I just want to close the loop on the Little Mermaid thing. I did check the dates, by the way, in case you're wondering. The Little Mermaid, the Disney animation, aired or was premiered in 1989, and this was 1994. So five years in there. I think the Little Mermaid did indeed have some sort of influence into the mastermind's 1700s mind game or whatever and then also let's not get off mastermind before we talk about jean's second wedding she said i do she got married for a second time while she was still married to scott but she's not married to scott why is she not married to scott i thought they got married the official was not the official oh so now she's officially married to Mastermind. I don't know if it counts unless the wedding certificate gets sent off. Yeah, that's right. I don't think they filed for a license. Okay. So they just had a ceremony and they had planned a party. Party didn't happen because they had a fight. I mean, this is before the internet. So you just can't now go online for 15 minutes and get ordained like you can now. This is before then. So there's actually a process they didn't do. And because of that, it's not valid, man. It's so funny that you mentioned that because one of my past co-hosts on Voices of Defiance, Sean, if you go on to his Twitter account, it's at Reverend Sean, right? And it's because he is an internet reverend. He could marry. So could I, actually, because I'm could? one, too. Yeah. Sweet. What? I have to keep that in mind. All right. Chris, you talked about the Phoenix, about her or it do we call the phoenix a her or it's really an it right it's this omnipotent being yeah it's not really anything gendered or anything it's like a presence i guess is the best way i can think of to put it right now it had a feminine voice to it but i'm not sure if that was because it inhabited gene anyway i didn't want to go there what i wanted to say is you were saying that it kept rising from the ashes but what, really what we're talking about here, Michelle, 
is we're talking about the emotional well-being of both Gene and Phoenix here. Oh, boy. This hit a lot harder as an adult who realized she has a mental illness and has been treated for it than when I was a kid. Losing your mind, not knowing what's real or not is devastating. Not only is she manipulated by Mastermind and Emma Frost, she's also manipulated by Xavier, not only before, like during the treatments, but also when they're trying to get Beast doohickey on her head. He's manipulating her there. This is just, it's wrong on so many levels. Phoenix is experiencing something new and she's just, I mean, they're using she because she went into Jean Grey. So I'm doing the combo she thing right there at that moment. I think, you know, presenting female, she's just pure id, right? She's just like, I have, oh my goodness, these are new sensations. This is amazing. And it's just pure passion, pure, because it's just lust, it's evil, it's destruction, it's creation, it's the it. Yeah, so she, or it, the phoenix, was the protector of the Emkron crystal, but also the protector of all creation. Just to refresh my memory, is the Emkron crystal the symbol of all creation? It could reform the universe if it was broken. Okay. So in a way, I guess it could unmake our known universe to make a new one. All right. So the Phoenix is the guardian of all of that, right? And unfortunately being the guardian of all that has never had the opportunity to experience any emotion and then is drawn right into it. And of course is taken into very dark paths right away because of it. And then eventually through the great epic performance of the X-Men is able to get out of it and say, Oh, okay. I get it now. I was bad, but I'm good now. We're all good here. Here. Thank you. Oh, about Gene? Yeah, we need to fix that. But the only way to fix that is you guys got to give a part of your energy. Okay. We can do that. No, we won't let you do that. You're going to have to let me do that. <laughs> no, I'll do that. No, it's going to take all of us. <laughs> Just Yeah, that was, that was kind of cool. It prevented the fight between who loved her more or whatever. And they all love her. So they were able to bring her back. Yeah. I was okay with that ending. I was okay with this whole story. I'm not going to jab at this story whatsoever. As adults, we can poke holes into the plot all over the place, but the story at its core, I think is a good story. Oh, definitely. There's a reason why this was what we were excited to have you experience watching through this series. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And then also, I have to say, I am embarrassed. I didn't get it at first. I was confusing Dazzler with Jubilee. One, because Jubilee wasn't in any of the episodes. And two, because they almost had looked like the same powers to me or, or something like that. And that's bad on me because I know Dazzler. And it took me a few minutes to go in. Oh, that is Dazzler. Now, Dazzler in the comics, I think, is normally blonde, right? Depends on what area you're looking at. Okay. But in this one, it was a redhead. Which, of course, Scott gets interested in because there's something about Scott and redheads that that's his motif that he likes, and he's going to roll with it for better or much, much, much worse. Yeah, there's nothing bad to say about redheads at all. I'm not, we're not saying that, right? 
No, but Scott and the ones that he chooses are bad choices for him. Yeah. It almost seems like he wanted to choose Dazzler, but he knew he had something going on with Gene. I'm not sure what was going on with that, to be honest with you. I don't want to read too much into it. He was so inconsistent. Oh, we can't give up on Jean. Oh, wait, she's so out of control and she's got this possession in there. We don't know when we can get the real Jean back. That's another problem I have. And then later on, he gets angry at Xavier for like giving up. You know, also, I'm in the, <laughs> he went into her, you know, like when she's sick, I'm going to sit by her, you know, like she's sick. I'm going to be with her in the hospital or, you know, the infirmary, wherever. But no, I'm going to dip because this girl I just met kind of had some trouble the night before. Could I send Gambit? Sure. Could I have sent also Beast? Sure. No, I got to dip and have Storm take care of my, the woman I want to be my wife. Got to remember, even though they aren't technically married, he went through with the ceremony, but no. I love her, then I don't love her, and oh, we have our psychic connection, so I guess we still love each other. It's like, dude. You know what I really liked about the conversation with Xavier in the kitchen, wherever they were? They, I don't think they were at the mansion. I think they were at Muir Island. Then. But regardless, the thing that I like about the conversation is obviously he's been in a fight because his clothes are torn, and Xavier just completely blows by that and just gets to the core of the matter. It's like, no, we have to talk about Gene, which is good, right? But completely blows by the fact that he's just been in a fight. Xavier throughout this entire thing is such a dick. Even Kaylee, who tries not to say anything bad about anybody. When Xavier went and was, yes, let's mind communicate with Lalandra. And then he goes and tries to manipulate her into not having the fight happen between the two groups for Jean's life. Kaylee just looks over there. He needs to stop manipulating her. That's bad. Which is about as bad as you're going to get to hear her say. And I love his eyebrow game here, but he is just really proving why there is that famous comic panel saying that Xavier is a jerk. Yeah, because Chris is right at the beginning. Who is the bigger jerk this time, Cyclops or Professor X? He's like, hey, Laundra, let's go on a date. And she's like, okay. And he's just so, I'm Professor X and I'm in charge of the X-Men. I'm important. You got to do what I have to do. And she's like, uh, hello, I'm an empress. You run a school. I run an empire like the court you know at the end he's like you've closed your mind off to me and she's just like yeah because you're a jerk (laughs) well there's a little bit of that and there's a little bit of she has an empire to run and it was well beyond his scope as you were saying he runs a school he's not part of the universe he's out of his element there at the very least i think he would grasp it eventually but It's like all those Hallmark movies where you have the little American girl going to Europe and being part of the broader kingdom and everybody's worried about how she's going to fit into the kingdom because she's American. She's not part of whatever nationality they are. It's kind of like that, except for this time, Xavier's the little girl trying to fit in. 
That's how I see it anyway. But you're right. There's a whole bunch of forbidden romances going on. I was telling these two before we recorded here. You have Leander and Xavier, because they can never be together, right? You have Gambit and Rogue, who they had a couple of things during these episodes. They can never be together because, well, she'd kill him just by touching him. You have Logan and Jean. They can't be together because Jean's with Scott. You have Scott and Jean who can never be together because I guess Scott's a jerk and can't figure it out. You have a lot of people that are Dazzler and Scott can't be together because, well, the girlfriend or ex-girlfriend shows up, as they say. So you just got a lot of forbidden romances going on in here. And maybe to the preteen crowd, this is like the early CW. You also had Beast with this picture of Carly. Oh, you saw the picture too, Chris. Yes. That is a very important thing. Like, I don't know if we ever actually see Carly again, except for things like that. And I have to imagine that her dad is still thinking that Beast is the worst thing to ever happen on the entire Earth. Maybe. Didn't they leave and they made up or at least respected each other? Yeah, yeah, but there's respecting people and then there's letting them hang out with their your daughter. Well, guys, I caught some good quotes during these episodes that just resonated with me. And I'm sure there's other quotes out there. I know there were some things that B said that I didn't write down, but here are some quotes. In episode 10, it was, I would like to talk to you about your mutant powers. That was Scott to Dazzler. Back in the 90s, that was a big thing. I would like to talk to you about, you know, whatever insurance or religion or whatever right so i guess it's a time capsule thing you have to be around in the 90s to get that so i'm sorry for those that anyway then in episode 11 you had rogue say thanks for the hand sugar i'll bet these cybernetic things cost an arm and a leg as she's holding the arm (laughs) that was great and then wolverine to i think it was a guard in episode 11 same episode 11 you got to ask yourself, do I feel lucky? And he said it in the raspy, I knew, he's got a raspy voice anyway, but he said it the same raspy voice that Dirty Harry said it in 1971. In the show notes, I will link everybody two scenes. Yes, Michelle? Also, I would like to point out, it was so Dirty Harry because he's actually started the monologue at the doorway and the guard had ample time to shoot. But he didn't. It was such a dirty, hairy, I'm going to do this speech. And then finally, you know, do I feel lucky? So I have two scenes that are on YouTube that are linked in the show notes of the Dirty Harry movie of the two times that quote came up. So in case you've never seen it before and you've always heard the term, do you feel lucky, punk? These are where it's from. Not the X-Men, but the X-Men ripped it off from that. It was great that Wolverine did that. And then in episode 12, an homage to Aliens from 1986. And yes, I looked that up. Aliens was in 1986. Get away from her, you witch! Only in Aliens, it didn't say witch. That had to have been an homage to Aliens there, because that was just perfect. I like that. Do you know what else debuted in 1986, though? Me. Wow. You're as old as Aliens. So exactly. Alien was a little child. Aliens would look as old as you do right now. Yep. Except my beard would be better. Sigourney Weaver doesn't look that old, that's for sure. All right. It was an interesting thing. I 
can see ramifications moving forward here on the universe, let alone the X-Men. And I'm hoping we get more great sagas, but I'm guessing this might be the pinnacle and maybe the sagas aren't so great going on forward. But if I watched the X-Men, the animated series, just to get these two sagas, the Phoenix Saga and the Dark Phoenix Saga, I'm good. We're good. I mean, we're not good because we're going to finish it because it's amazing. But yeah. I've heard season five is a little questionable good. I'm surprised they even got to do this. I mean, this is, we actually got the little cameos, you know, they, you showed that panel before when they were talking about all the, like this little secret cameos we had, you know, like the little, that's when we got like the Doctor Strange and like the Watcher cameos going on and remembering how limited they were and what they could tell and who they could bring in i'm surprised that they actually got to bring this chris claremont classic to the screen and the fact that this is again a 1990s animated show yes it had problems but it's still better than the two yes two live action adaptations of this story have you seen the the last one that came out yeah with sophie turner yeah, I was just wondering because I Yes, did. I've seen that's what I mean. That's I've seen them both. I saw the the X-Men three. That's you know, when they she was like, you know, kill me, which we had in this, those last episode, do you kill Gene? When do you destroy? When is it enough? That's a heavy theme to think of. And the fact that she's like, you know what? Y'all can't do it. I'm gonna do it. There, I'm gonna end this for you. And then of course the one with, you know, the Sophie Turner. Not on, I'm not against Sophie, but that was just so poorly written and just bad. Yeah, it was uh, Fox in their last breath pushing that out. I think it was their last attempt to try to make money before they sold it to, this is just my speculation, the last attempt to make money because they did do a decent job with Logan before that. This was like, yeah, let's just throw all the pieces on the board again and let's see what happens. Yeah. Apocalypse was kind of like that too. Unfortunately, Oscar Isaac, who I don't think we ever mentioned that in our coverage of Moon Knight, that he was Apocalypse. I think he likes to forget that he was Apocalypse. I'm fine forgetting it too. I think that's the whole point. And as much as I wanted to like that movie because the cast was awesome, Fox just didn't pull it off. And even Disney's had problems with storytelling as well with the Star Wars universe. I mean, they've recently come out and they've, they've said, look, we've just been pushing too much. We can't get out a movie like Kathleen Kennedy said. Yeah, let's look at Solo. Let's take Solo, for example. We were trying to push that out before it was ready. It really wasn't ready to go out. So instead of throwing out a big budget film every year, kind of like what Marvel has been doing, we're going to step back and we're going to do it every two or three years. We're just going to get it right. And I think if you can't get it right at a rapid pace or whatever pace you're going at box, you step back and you do it better. You hire consultants, you bring in people not to make money, but to tell good stories. I think that's the ultimate thing that ruined Fox's X-Men at the end. They just weren't able to tell those good stories because the story itself was good. It's just they weren't able to tell it correctly. That's my opinion. You guys can disagree. No, that movie's just... It had poor pacing, poor character development. 
A Waste of Jessica Chastain. That is what, yeah, she was in that. She played, yeah. Michelle, did your mom happen to watch these with you? No. Chris, did Kaylee happen to watch these with you? Yes, she did. She was very excited that it was only four episodes, so she would have time to do it. What was her favorite part? I'm not sure. I th- I want to say maybe this one was Beast and a lot of the intellectual quotes that he had in there. I think he is turning out to be one of her favorite characters from this, which is going to be interesting if I get her to read the comics, because I'm going to have to figure out what I give her. I think we've already talked about Beast being an unexpected main character, where Beast wasn't written in on the first season to be a main character, but the reaction and the reaction within the production team was good to the character that they wanted to bring it in as a full-time character. So I'm glad we got Beast, because... I didn't want to minimize Beast by not having a quote from Beast in this one, but I just didn't have time to take one out. All right. That was it. Last thoughts, Michelle? Again, I'm glad I was able to watch it again. I'm glad it holds up. Like I said, still better than those movies. We are starting to see the animation problems that are coming to the forefront in season five. It's tiny little glimpses. It's things that really shouldn't matter. Just like a let's not spend an hour rendering somebody's face that you're going to see for half a second. So the show certainly isn't perfect, but this is definitely one of the best arcs of the entire series. All right. So I'm just perusing the list right now. And next time we will be covering the next three episodes that are on Disney plus I am not going to speak to what order these actually aired or they might've been on the DVDs or anything, but we're talking about cold comfort orphans and, and the juggernaut returns next time. So if you're keeping up with us, get on Disney plus and watch those episodes. If you happen to have the DVDs, at least watch them in that order. And that's what we'll be covering next time. In the meantime, we have some exciting Marvel Studio news to cover. In one of the most exciting things that I think Marvel announced all week, we finally have a release date for She-Hulk. TV Line has confirmed it to be August 17th. The announcement was made during Disney's upfront presentation in New York, where the streamer also unveiled the first official trailer, which I think is amazing. In addition to Maslany as Jennifer Walters, or She-Hulk, we also have Mark Ruffalo playing the Hulk or Bruce Banner, Tim Roth playing Emil Blonsky or Abomination, Ginger Gonzaga as Jennifer's BFF, Renee, Elise Goldberry as Amelia, Jamila Jamil as Titania, maybe one of my favorite parts of this. She-Hulk is the latest in a long line of Marvel series produced for Disney+. Plus. We all know about all the other series that they've made and what's coming up. I'm really excited for this one. I was delighted at the interplay between her and Mark Ruffalo. Especially the scene where she's in the um, box, basically. And he's just, you know, it's controlled by anger and fear and she's like you mean what it's like to be a woman every day 
And then the blades start coming. And she's just like, Bruce, I think I'm going to die if I don't change. And then she changes and, and then she like takes off the door. Because he's like, no, 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 no. Wait. I loved it. I love the interplay in the entire thing. I love the scenes that they chose to show us and that lightheartedness banter continues throughout the entirety of the series. It's going to be a fun series. I feel compelled because we had a lot of comments on it in our discord about the CGI in it. And there was likeness, not just in our discord, but there were actually, there's a big internet I won't say uproar, but there was a lot of comments on the internet about it. And then there's some stories written about it. Some people said it made her look like Shrek's mom. Okay. The good news is they still have some months to shift a little bit of it if they want to. I don't think they will. And if they don't, you know, I'll be okay with what we get because, well, it's a comic book movie after all. But I was curious as to what you guys thought about the CGI in it. Did it, detract you at all did you even think about it when you were watching the trailer okay if she looks like shrek's mom then the hulk looks like shrek's dad they're green well i mean there's green that was part of it but it was like the smoothness of skin and the animation and stuff like that i think people were expecting a little bit more beefier hulk to come out of it i don't know i'm not an expert on She-Hulk at all. That's so I, the way I she looks. She's not, she doesn't get as big as the Hulk. She never has. She just really bulks up. Well, there was that. And then there was just the, I'll say lack of texture. Definition's the wrong word there. Lack of texture is probably the correct term into her CGI. And I could see that as a criticism of it. But at the same time, I'm like, well, we've seen a lot work. I mean, you could go to the Eternals and you take a look at Patton Oswald's character. Can't remember what his character's name is, but it was very similar animation. I think it's the animation that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going to, whether we wanted to or not. I mean, don't forget though the uproar that fans had about how bad Sonic looked before the first Sonic movie. That's right. And how quickly that got fixed. They have plenty of time to fix this if they think it's something that needs to be fixed. But also, I think you're looking at a lot of people who just don't understand and know about She-Hulk, and they're expecting Hulk, but a woman. And that's just not how it is. Yeah, I'm wondering how the Abomination is going to look. We didn't see that in the trailer, did we? I don't remember it. Nope. So that's to be continued. Well, something else that's in the works is uh, to be continued on Disney Plus commercials? Yeah, Disney Plus, I don't know what you're thinking right now at all. Rita Farrow, who is the president of ad sales for Disney, said that the forthcoming ad-supported tier of Disney Plus will have a less robust amount of ads compared to Hulu. That disparity, at least initially, will mainly be because about 65% of subscribers come to the streaming service for movies, which don't really have a good spot for commercial interruptions. She's saying that movies are the reason people come to the platform, and movies have a different ad load. The family-friendly nature of Disney Plus will also limit the scope to four-quadrant advertisers. A little bit ago, Disney hosted its upfront pitch to advertisers, and aside from a brief tease from CEO Bob Chapek at the outset, 
there were not really any specifics about the ad tier. Consumer pricing and timing and other details are still things that are up in the air. Yeah, Bob Chapik went out there. I think this was basically a business call. I mean, it gave a lot of stuff to us, like the trailers and stuff, but it was also a pump up the investors call and it was also a pump up the advertisers call. So in my opinion, there's a lot of pumping up over, oh, there's so much demand for this. We need to have these ads in and we need these advertisers in and these advertisers are going to pay a lot of money for us. Kind of pumping up their own sales pitch, if you will, to say, hey, you need to pay us more for these ads. And oh, by the way, the people that are paying for the streaming service, you need to allow these commercials or pay less for a commercial allowed tier or pay more for no commercials, that sort of thing. It's all just hyping up the you are going to give us more money sort of thing, whether you're an advertiser or you're a customer like we are. Just take it with that grain of salt, because I think that's what we're talking about here. But Michelle, you might have a different opinion. I know I was not happy when Hulu went from free with ads and there was a lot of ads. It was like watching it on regular television. That's how many commercial there was to you're going to pay us and get ads or pay us more to not get ads. It's the same way with CBS had to pay with commercials and forked over a little bit more so i don't have commercials i have to admit though it's getting we've been talking about just how many services there are it's getting to the point where even i'm going to have to reevaluate how much i'm watching and when because i notice i'm not watching a lot of hbo max right now it's a lot more you know netflix has got some really good stuff starting to come out like sandman's coming then what do I go month to month with? What do I pause? It's beginning to make me think because I'm not going to pay for, I'm not, if Netflix raises its price again, I'm not going to pay any more for it. And I don't know if I want to pay any more for Disney Plus. It's getting to the point where it's like, what if they collected all of these things and made it into a really big bundle? And oh my goodness, I'm inventing cable again. Yeah, right. Chris, what are your thoughts? I mean, you know, you read the news story, but what are your thoughts on this? I'm not a fan of paying and still getting ads. I never have. I never don't think I ever will be. And most of it is because of the way things are starting out. I think if they had started with pay us a little bit, like super low, and then added the pay us more later, that's fine. But once you start off with pay us and there's no ads, I don't think you can really jump down to having ads with it and still expecting me to pay you. Yeah, the one service that I can point at right now and I can say I'm not utilizing is actually cable TV. Yes, I still have cable TV. And yes, we talked about this before. I am going to drop cable TV this year in the next couple of weeks, actually, if I can get around to it. And that's what I'm going to drop. But I wanted not to like CBS All Access, but Paramount Plus just keeps on bringing on the goodness, whether it's the Star Trek series, whether it's Halo, Yellowstone, 
I mean, they got some good stuff over there. I'm like, whoa, you guys are actually listening to your audience and you're doing stuff. Last couple of days, I've been stuck at home. I've been watching Netflix. I've been catching up on some series. Now, these are not new series, but I finished Another Life, which Katie Sackoff, okay, BSG, I did that mostly out of allegiance to her, I guess. I mean, basically, uh, because it wasn't all that great. It wasn't bad, but it had a slight more tint of horror to it than I care for, especially at the end. And I watched... Or I'm watching Lots in Space. I also watched, finished up something else. So Netflix actually had some good stuff. I don't know if they'll have good stuff in the future. But I could go on and on. Like, Michelle, you were saying you haven't watched too much on HBO Max. I haven't either, but there's stuff on HBO Max that I want to watch. So that might be one that I have to pour it over because I am paying for it out of cable right now. I know, I know, but I am. So we'll see how it goes. In in the end, though, this is Disney Plus saying, we're going to make more money, and this is how we're going to make more money. We're going to make subscribers give us more money for non-ad-supported tiers, and we're going to make advertisers give us more money that will more than recoup the amount of money that we're losing on lesser accounts, basically, is what's going on. They just figured out a way to do it, because most people are going to carry Disney Plus because of the goodness there. I mean, most people watch this stuff can all agree to that just because they have bought so much stuff they have so much ip that you just turn around and you're like oh yeah i like this i like this i like this pixar boom you know marvel boom you could go on and on fox stuff stuff like that concerns but we'll see what the actual pricing is in the future now michelle i know you want to talk about something that is Potentially coming here on Disney Plus. You've just been clamoring over it. Matter of fact, you threatened to shank Chris if he talked about it. So we had to give it to you. So what's going on in Disney Plus? I know. I had to steal this one story from our special correspondent. So I thank you, Chris, very much. Disney Plus looks like they're going to bring us a new Daredevil series. Variety has exclusively learned from sources that Matt Corman and Chris Ord are attached to write and executive produce. Rumors have persisted for some time that a Disney Plus series about the man without fear was in the works, especially considering that two of the stars of the Netflix Daredevil series, Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio, have appeared in recent Marvel projects. Cox once again played Matt Murdock, the secret identity of Daredevil, in the film Spider-Man No Way Home, while D'Onofrio reprised the role of Wilskin Fisk, also known as Kingpin, in the Disney Plus series Hawkeye. It now appears that the project is picking up steam with the hiring of Corman and Ord, although Marvel has yet to announce anything regarding the show formally. Yeah, and they don't talk about anything in development, which I can understand, because this might not go anywhere. This is just, they hired some guns to look into developing a series doesn't mean it's going to go anywhere or not but i think they'd be kind of stupid not to at this point but that's just me i think they've been dangling matt murdoch and d'onofrio around to see how receptive the general audience would be and of course the netflix fans and i think because of their reaction i think this might has a possibility of of showing up and I think in the comics, they've been really hammering Elektra, too. So whether we get the former Elektra or maybe a new incarnation. Oh, a new one. Sorry. That just slipped out. 
You don't want Jennifer Garner to come back as a lecturer? Or that other chick. Person. Sorry. <laughs> the one from the Defender series? Yeah. That's what you're talking about? Yeah. We'll see what happens. Who knows? We might not even get Electra. I'm just speculating based on the comic push here. And if Electra is selling comic books, then they'd want to reinvigorate that within the series, too. I would suspect, but who knows? Yeah, I'd be interested in this, especially since I would say season one, possibly season two, Daredevil are two of the best series of comic book shows out there in the pre-Disney Plus era. I know the fights are some of the most amazing, definitely not kid-friendly, but some of the most amazing in the choreography really set the bar pretty high and green arrow at the time or arrow at the time was almost as good but i could see this coming back and i think charlie cox was underused in the end in season three and in the defenders so if they can bring him back as daredevil or reincarnate him because honestly i have not seen dr strange in the multiverse of madness so i don't know where charlie cox ends up and all that or even if he's in it I don't know, but if they could take the Charlie Cox that was and then move it forward enough or reinvent it enough to make it a little bit more Disney and a little less Netflix, I think it would be a big hit. I think it's something they could very easily pull off. And quite frankly, they would be just stupid to not try. You get Bam Bam and Kevin Tinker on to direct some episodes and you're, you're good. Oh, wow. There's a couple right there. Yeah, it would be good. I don't know what they're doing these days. I'll have to take a look at their IMDb. All right. Well, that's the big news for this week with the Daredevil as being a strong possibility. Not for certain yet. Just have to throw that in there. Not for certain. But they're actually moving forward with it. All right, Michelle, what do you think you should do right now? Well, I think I should break up with my boyfriend, hop in a spaceship, Grab you two and head on out. Sounds good to me, Leandra. So, woohoo, let's go run our empire. I am always available on our Discord server at guineageek.com slash Discord. Been having some interesting discussions lately. Today, Boeing Starliner actually launched its OFT2 successfully launched. There was a lot of talk about it there on the Discord. So I really appreciate the talk back and forth there. But talk about podcasting, can talk about this. There's a lot of TV and film discussion. There's a lot of talk about Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. The only thing that the three of us are not talking about is a lot of Doctor Strange spoilers, if we so choose not to, because we haven't officially reviewed it yet. But once we do, that will be free game to talk about in the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. channel on the discord yeah thank you to everyone who listens and downloads and all that goodness if you want to hear more from me i'm on twitter at shell underscore game yes listeners are the best part of doing a podcast and i really appreciate everything that y'all do to make sure that you can hear us and if you want to hear more from me you can head over to playcomics.com where despite what i said last episode I really am putting out a new one this week. Life just kind of happened last weekend and I didn't have time to get one edited. Tell me about it. But it's worth it, I promise. Yeah, life has a problem of getting in the way sometimes. 
Well, until next time, I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm Agent Chris. Remind me not to bring my cybernetic arms around Rogue in the future. But she can touch them, which means she can kind of touch you. Hmm, interesting. I'll have to think about it then. So she could date the Terminator? Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. I know now why you cry. I just realized I just said Bam Bam and I expected the entire world to realize that I'm talking about James Bamford. I'm sorry, James. I think he would be a proof of that. James Bam Bam Bamford. That's how he's known. Bam Bam. Yeah. Although I guess if you don't know, you're like, what are you, Pebbles and Bam Bam? Yeah. Those two, I mean, Arrow, the first two seasons of Arrow show that you can definitely do Really cool fights at an age-appropriate level for Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Even Matt Murdock can see that. I, you know what? I have never come back. I should. I got to go back and watch and find out where that triple or quadruple level fight was that they had going on in that warehouse. I mean, the choreography for that must have sucked. I mean, I'm just thinking, you got to shoot an episode in eight days, and you got the, I'm assuming it was Bam Bam and tinker on on that episode i'd have to go back and and look but so they got this warehouse full of ninjas on multiple levels and they all have you know different sword things that they're fighting and action and they all have to move at the same time and you know people fall off of levels and stuff like that all all simultaneously that had to suck for the choreography because in the lead up to the episode, you're like, okay, we're going to do this. And they're all like, yeah, yeah, we're going to do this. But you get to the day and everybody's in costume and everything is like, okay, we're going to do this. And all of a sudden it's five o'clock in the morning and you're not done with the shot. Yet. Yeah. It was such good TV. Oh, it was, it was great. Heyday of the CW. I think we can say now. I'm good. If you uh-huh. guys are good. Blue shirt club go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, unfortunately, I got some cleaner on this, so I won't be able to use it. But this is a Marvel shiner, matter of fact, that was in Captain America. And the back is the menu. Oh, cool. Nice. I, I know you guys see it. The kids gave it to me a couple of years ago. This, unfortunately, will be the last time I wear it. But Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2022.